Ezekiel built a model, a model of Jerusalem. Can you believe this? This is amazing. Let's look at it together. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hember. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, a program designed to take you through the Bible in one year. And as we do that, Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? We're going to be discussing what we can know historically about what it would have been like for the Judeans living in the Babylonian exile. Ryan? As I did yesterday, I'm going to be sharing with you all from our quick study Bible, but this time it's all about Ezekiel. All right, very good. Look forward to those reports coming up in about 25 minutes. Janice? Today's segment, All We Like Sheep. Have gone astray. We've led everyone to his own way. Really interesting. We'll talk about all of that and more coming up. Get your Bible out and your Bible guide, and let's open it up and listen to what God is saying to us. Ezekiel 4, 1 through 8. You also, son of man, take a clay tablet and lay it before you, and portray on it a city, Jerusalem. Lay siege against it, build a siege wall against it, and heap up a mound against it. Set camps against it also, and place battering rams against it all around. Moreover, take for yourself an iron plate, and set it as an iron wall between you and the city. Set your face against it, and it shall be besieged, and you shall lay siege against it. This will be a sign to the house of Israel. Lie also on your left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of the days that you lie on it, you shall bear their iniquity. For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, three hundred and ninety days. So you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when you have completed them, lie again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have laid on you a day for each year. Therefore you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem. Your arm shall be uncovered, and you shall prophesy against it. And surely I will restrain you so that you cannot turn from one side to another till you have ended the days of your siege. Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Ezekiel, what a prophet! Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel chapter 2. And Ezekiel chapter 3 and 4, that's what we read today as we begin to study God's wonderful word. And as we do so, keep this in mind that Ezekiel became a remarkable prophet and God himself called Ezekiel and opened his mind to the spiritual world. Ezekiel was a priest who was exiled to Babylon before the city of Jerusalem was completely destroyed. Now, the deportation of the Jews from Jerusalem happened several times. And Ezekiel is both a fascinating prophet and he is a great man. He's a priest without a temple and a priestly background. Now, he often is commanded by the Lord 
to use simple and practical illustrations to communicate to the people around him. Though sent away from their homes and their families, God still spoke to these Judeans, even in the shadow of the city of ancient Babylon. Well, in Ezekiel chapter 4, God commanded Ezekiel to go do several things that seem strange to us. We're going to read that and talk about it a little bit later as we talk about the prophet in exile. Now, remember that God is interested in the people around Ezekiel hearing his call to return to the Lord. Now, he's exported them. They're out of Jerusalem, but he's calling the people even in that state. So take your Bible guide, turn to today's passage. And if you don't have a Bible guide, let me encourage you to write to us or call us and we'll send you one. And another way to get a Bible guide is to go online at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go online and click on the Bible guide, uh, it'll take you to the place where you can make a donation. Thank you so much for your donations, especially in this time of inflation and everything else coming up. We really appreciate it. And we'll pray for you later in the program about the whole situation, the economic situation and everything. Now, Ezekiel chapter one is the call of Ezekiel in Babylon and the glory of the Lord appears. Ezekiel chapter two is specifically the call to the man Ezekiel in chapter three. Chapter three, beginning with verse 16, talks about the watchman of Israel. And Ezekiel mentions him. In chapter four, which is what we're going to study today, is the siege of Jerusalem is symbolized. And so today, as we prepare ourselves for that, let's remember the prophet in exile is communicating this message. And Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ, as we explore this chapter and open up your Bible, the word of God written by uh, over 40 men with uh, about 1,500 years, yet every word of God is your word, and you've communicated that to us, Lord. So help us today to understand that and put it in our hearts and our minds in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen. Now, let's look at chapter four. This is fascinating, okay? Open up your Bible and look at chapter four. You also, son of man, that's what God calls him, son of man. Some Bibles call him the son of dust, but nevertheless, you also, son of man, take a clay tablet and lay it before you and portray it on, or portray it on a city, Jerusalem. In other words, a model of Jerusalem. Lay siege against it and build a siege wall against it and heap up a mound against it, set camps against it also, and place battering rams against it all around. Moreover, take for yourself an iron plate and set it as an iron wall between you and the city. Set your face against it, and it shall be besieged, and you shall lay siege against it. This will be a sign to the house of Israel. Remember that God is doing this beforehand. So the point is, God has Ezekiel build a model to portray the siege of Jerusalem. Now, remember, God speaks to us through his word and through his ways. God is trying to communicate to us. He's not interested in all of these creative uh, entertainment ideas. He 
doesn't allow the entertainment principle to drive him and his message. He is communicating something through the word of God to us, something that deals with life and death, something that is important, something that is real, something that happens. And he makes a model. And this is what God continues to say to Ezekiel in verse four. Lie also on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. Iniquity is sin. According to the number of the days that you lie on it, you shall bear their iniquity. For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity according to the number of the days, 390 days. So you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. Now we could go into a lot here. But the point is, God has Ezekiel lie on his left side to illustrate and to bear the sins of Israel. Now, listen carefully. We must recognize our sin and discover the Savior, Jesus Christ, who bore our sin upon himself. I need you to listen to me. Sin is in all of us. Every person has sin. Doesn't matter whether you're the Pope or whether you're the leader of Everybody, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. That's what the scripture says. So when we come to Christ, we say, Lord, I have sinned and there's nothing I can do about it. But you did everything about it when you came 2000 years ago and you allowed yourself to be killed and died on the cross, the cost of sin, and you were tortured terribly. And then suddenly, three days later, rose from the dead, conquered it. And that's what we mean when we say, make your life like God's life. In other words, follow Jesus Christ. This becomes very, very important. Now we have to move on because this next passage is also important. Verse six says, and when you have completed them, (laughs) lie again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah 40 days. Really? Absolutely. I have laid on you a day for each year. Therefore, you shall set your face towards the siege of Jerusalem. Your arm shall be uncovered and you shall prophesy against it. And surely I will restrain you so that you cannot turn from one side to another till you have ended the days of your siege. Now, this is really important because God has Ezekiel lie on his right side to bear the sinful years of Judah. Now, remember, God has paid the cost for our sins through Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Beloved, let me tell you something. When we say praise the Lord, when we say we love Jesus Christ, when we say we follow the Lord, that's exactly what we mean. We understand that Jesus Christ has paid the cost of our sin. There is a way to get to God. The Lord said, no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ exclusively paid the cost of sin, rose from the dead, overcame sin, and he did it right. So when we ask Jesus Christ to come into our heart, he forgives us and deals with our sin. And we have a change in attitude, a change in personality. That's something we need to do today. Father, I pray today that we would hear you and do that. In the name of Jesus Christ and everyone here said together, amen and amen. 
Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. As we begin reading and studying through the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, uh, we, we learn really quickly right away, in fact, that Ezekiel was one of the uh, Judahite or Judean exiles. So from Jerusalem, from Judah, that was taken into exile. So taken forcibly from their homes, from their country and resettled in the Babylonian empire. Now, there has been a lot of uh, back and forth and a lot of discussion over what it would have been like, what it could have been like to be a, a Judahite exile living in Babylon at this time. But there are some hints that we can uh, glean from history itself. So let's take a look at what it could have been like for these Babylonian exiles. Beginning in 597 BC, 11 years before the destruction of Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar enacted the first wave of deportations of citizens of Jerusalem to his Babylonian empire. This first exile was a show of his power, an attempt to squash any spirit of rebellion or independence in Judah. As rebellions continued, Nebuchadnezzar would call for at least two more rounds of deportation. The biblical accounts of the exiles in Babylon follow people like the prophet Ezekiel, whose personal life isn't expounded, and the prophet Daniel, who worked in the courts of Babylon in a privileged class with some of his other Judean captives. However, only a small number of exiles were taken under the wings of Nebuchadnezzar's palace administrators. The fate of the vast majority of Judeans are not chronicled in the Bible. The biblical notes that do exist are from the prophet Jeremiah, who urges the people to settle in Babylon, participate in everyday life and commerce because God's judgment would last a while. Today, it's known that the exiled Judeans took Jeremiah's words to heart. Found ancient texts have been translated coming from a city that was variously called Judatown, the city of the Judeans, or New Jerusalem. This was one of the cities Nebuchadnezzar gave to the exiled Judeans to live in. It may have been an old abandoned city, or perhaps it was new. Either way, the exiles would have been charged with building it up and becoming profitable citizens. At first, their dependence on the Babylonians must have been great. Imagine being taken from your home and placed in a completely different country, economy, society, and environment, and asked to farm and live. Much of your farming knowledge would not apply in this new ecosystem. Your knowledge of edible and medicinal plants would be different, and you'd have to learn a new language and social political structure. Nevertheless, this is exactly what the exiles did. Today, Judean individuals are identified from Babylonian records by their names that incorporate elements of God's proper name. But not all Judeans had those names. Some family records even show children receiving Babylonian names. From the Judeans that can be recognized, there's a clear progression of success from generation to generation, beginning quite humbly with barley as their grown commodity, and then branching out to land, grain, animals, and dates as the generations go on. 
The fate of all Judeans was not to become successful businessmen. It's quite likely that many Judeans struggled near the bottom of society. Others received the designation of royal merchants, and still others found themselves in the royal records of Babylon as officials of the king himself. There were surely a variety of outcomes for exiled Judeans, but the discovery of these ancient records help us trace the lives of this remnant of Judah. I think it's interesting that what history really does for us here is presents us with uh, a mixed bag of outcomes for these exiles. And that really does go along with what we see and read about in the scriptures. The, the prophets talk often about some of the destitution that the exiles will face, but they also talk about, you know, um, the exiles, you know, plant yourselves where you end up and work for the benefit of those places where you are and really settle down. Uh, you know, we see prophets like Ezekiel, uh, and we're not really sure, uh, you know, how prominent he is in, in his placement. Uh, but then we see men like Daniel, who was another exile, extremely prominent uh, where he was placed in Babylon, you know, becoming a, a very high up official in the government. So he would have been quite wealthy, quite influential. Uh, so just a mixed bag that's represented both in the Bible, but also now in history when when we care to look at all the pieces and put them together. You know, the books of the prophets are fascinating because Daniel is a guy who was in the government mm -hmm. and he was brought in and made a eunuch and yep. they made him that and or what we think they did. Yeah. But, you know, he operates in the government and his friends do all through that time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, like today, it's hard for us to kind of imagine that like uh, that becoming a eunuch would have been seen as a good thing or as a privilege. But it was seen uh, very oftentimes, especially in Babylon and Assyria, as being a privilege because what you lost, your ability to procreate and make your own line, uh, your own family name, you you traded that for building the king's name and you therefore became a part of the royal family itself. Um, so uh, there was a lot of prestige that came with that and a lot of wealth that came with that and opportunity. So it's interesting. It is. And it's it's because the culture is different mm -hmm. and because we see things differently. It's uh, fascinating to study this because you have to put yourself in their place and understand, try to understand what they're facing. Right. Very, very good. Thank you, Corey. Mm -hmm. Ryan? Yeah, well, uh, yesterday, if you remember, we I read from the Quick Study Bible and I gave us an introduction to Lamentation. So I wanted to do the same today, except with Ezekiel, because we are starting that book today. So if you do have your Quick Study Bible, open to page 1042 and you can read along. And it says, Hebrew legend tells of an ancient rabbi who said he fully understood the book of Ezekiel and would write a complete explanation of it. The council allocated him 300 barrels of oil for his lamp because they supposed he would never need that much to finish his work. According to the story, he never did finish it. Without doubt, Ezekiel is one of the most difficult books of the Bible to understand. While the ancient Jews probably understood it better than we do, most historians agree that even they could not capture its full intent. A highly cultured young priest named Ezekiel wrote this mystical book. Tragedy struck Ezekiel in the death of his beloved wife, called the desire of his eyes. And he was not permitted to mourn her death, but had to use the event to warn Israel of their coming sorrows. Ezekiel's prophecies soon came to pass, and Israel became slaves to a foreign power. The most forceful lesson to be learned from the book of Ezekiel 
concerns the importance of prayer. In Ezekiel's day, God called for an intercessor, but found no one who would stand in the hedge and make up the gap. One wonders how different their history would have been if a prayer had been found. Prayer is the most important single act of worship. Waiting on God in earnest expectation, that is the crying need of our day. Perhaps the God of Ezekiel is leaning over the banisters of heaven today, looking for men of prayer to stand in the gap for our nations. It will be tragic indeed if the same epitaph is written across the tombstone of our times. But I found none. Wow, I I found none. Prayer Mm. is such an important part because, um, you know, God shows us in the book of Revelation how important prayer is when the angel brings forth the prayers of the saints with the incense on the altar before he begins to uh, do it. And, And what happens is fire from the altar catches on to this prayer and he throws it to earth. So this is really interesting to study prayer in this in this session and in this time because prayer changes things. And Absolutely, we say that, yeah. We don't mean it changes things that we can see. We mean that our prayers are eternal. And so when we pray that way, it becomes very, very interesting. Thank you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Written by my dad. That's right. So uh, that's good. Very good. And unfortunately, we don't have any more of these quick study Bibles that are available. They're no longer in print. Uh, So if you were thinking about calling or writing for one, I'm so very sorry, but they're no longer available. They're very expensive to print. Yes. yes. So, you know, we, we sold them and there you go. But anyway, yeah. 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 Okay, Jan. All right. So I uh, titled my segment today, All We Like Sheep, because, you know, we see in this chapter, uh, actually uh, through many of the chapters of Ezekiel, um, how he displays dramatic actions uh, that God has called him to do in order to be an example or a foreshadowing of what is going to be happening um, in in the, the life of Israel, God's people. And as I was reading through here, I, I took a look at verse 5. For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity. He's talking to Ezekiel and assigning him to lay on one side. And he says, according to the number of the days, 390 days, so you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And then when he comes to the end of that, then God has him to turn on the other side. And it's for another 40 days, signifying the year, the 40 years of the house of Judah and their disobedience to God. And as I was reading that, I thought about how that God laid on Jesus Christ the iniquity of us all. And we have not been long out of the book of Isaiah, which in Isaiah 52, God is talking about redeeming Jerusalem and the sin-bearing servant. And then in Isaiah 53 is what we believers in Jesus Christ, Christians believe is about our Lord Jesus Christ, our Messiah. When Isaiah states in verse four of Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So that is where I got the title, All We Like Sheep, We Have Gone Astray, and it's our good shepherd 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who makes our lives reconciled back to God by the forgiveness of our sins if we come to him in repentance. If we want to turn away from those sins, it's only Jesus Christ who has paid the cost for those sins on the cross, giving up his life willingly. But that wasn't the end, was it? Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead to give us the gift of eternal life. So that was what I wanted to point out today, that as we see Ezekiel giving this demonstration of how God has laid a bur- the burden of the disobedience of the house of Israel and the house of Judah on him, he also laid the burdens of our iniquity, all of us, on his son, Jesus Christ, who paid the cost for that. And that's what we talk about frequently. That's Jesus Christ. That's who we believe and that we believe he's God. And so it becomes very important to understand that if we believe that, then people, you know, we're going to tell people about that. And as we broadcast on the internet, as we broadcast on the TV stations, and as we broadcast on the networks, uh, we're, we're telling you about Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Um, I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. To, and, and I need you today to help me overcome my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, I mean, literally, the prayer of faith is that simple. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we need to pray for people as well. We're going to do it in just a minute. But I think we need to pray for people who are going through this time right now where the world is a mess. And people are looking at things and they're saying, wow, this is crazy. And you watch this program, get your mind off it. Thank you. You can do that. And But the Bible tells us the truth, and we need to pray for all of the people suffering right now. And Father, I I pray for all the refugees in the world, that you would help them. And and I read an article the other day, and it said the refugees are going back to their country with Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you go with us, that you never leave us alone, that you're always there. And there may be people who are suffering because they feel like they don't have anything or they've lost their job or they've lost something. They just, I pray, Lord, that you would show them that the idea here is that you supply all our needs, that when we give to you, you supply all our needs. That's very, very important. And so, Father, today we pray for everyone who has a need, whatever that need may be. And I pray, Lord, that you would touch them, give them, first of all, confidence that you're going to answer them. And then, Lord, answer the call as they call to you in Jesus' name. And we all sit together here and there. Amen. We've learned much about the prophet in exile, but let me tell you something. In the world today, there's a lot of people concerned about the inflation numbers and a lot of things taking place. And let's pray for that. Father, we pray for everybody watching the program that you would help them to learn how to give to you, to learn how to respond to you in times of difficulty, because you have said you've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. Help us to hear that, Lord and be confident in giving to you.